Isaiah the 49th chapter, starting at the 6th verse. And it says, and he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the ends of the earth. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, and his Holy One, to him to whom man despises, to him whom the nations abhor, to a servant of the rulers, kings shall see and arise. Princes also shall worship because of the Lord that is faithful and the Holy One of Israel, and he shall choose thee. Thus saith the Lord, In an acceptable time have I heard thee, and a day of salvation I have helped thee. I will preserve thee and give thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth, to cause to inherit the desolate places. Herein, uh, we see if we start all the way at the first verse, it seems as though he's talking to a single entity, a single person. That's the Messiah within Israel. Uh, Israel uh, uh, and not the whole nation. Third verse, it seems as though it switches to seem as though it's the whole nation. At the uh, fourth verse and the fifth verse, but we see this is a message to the Messiah of Israel. This is another thing that speaks of Jesus Christ giving the gospel of the light to the Gentiles, and we all know what a light is. And he had used that phraseology to say that we would be lights in the world if he be taken up. And God says it was a light thing for him just to be a light unto Israel, to bring Israel, that one nation, to salvation and redemption. But he would give him a light to be the Gentiles, and that is to all nations, to all parts of the world, and to the whole world. And we see he extended that mission unto us, the great commission that was in Matthew 28, 19, when he said, go into all the worlds, making disciples, preaching and teaching the gospel. In other words, baptizing them in the, in the making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. We know that gospel is what brings redemption. That gospel brings the light. The, the gospel brings the truth. The truth is what sets us free. And as symbolism to being a light, a light as, symbol, as a symbol. In the book of Psalms, the 43rd chapter of Psalms, in the third verse, it says, Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling place. In this context, the light and truth are basically synonymous. The light and the truth are the same. That light is what shines in a dark place that illumines a dark place so that one can see. We know the Gentiles was in darkness. The Jews, the Jewish people, were given the oracles of God, which was the word of God, which is the light, which if thou keepest commandments, then are you his disciples. And he brings that light unto us. But we're to be lights unto the world. 
And that symbolism extends to us. And I said light and truth being synonymous in that context. As we continue on to read about the light, because I said we must go through the scriptures and take line upon line, here a little, there a little, precept upon precept, and weave this canon together, get an understanding of actually what the Word of God is saying. In the book of Psalms, the 67th chapter of Psalms, in the first verse, it says, God be merciful unto us, and bless us, and cause his face to shine upon us. Selah. Uh, you were talking about God smiling his face, shining on us. It doesn't shine on us all the time. A lot of times, God, in, in our wickedness and in wrath and time, it seems as though God has his face turned away from us. We hear a lot of times about God looking upon us or turning his face toward us. We have to watch the phraseology that we're using or whatever because when he shines his face upon us, that means his blessing and his word is upon us. But sometimes our sins and us fellowshipping and going into darkness causes a separation from God. We see that separation on the cross when our sins was placed upon Jesus. And he says, my father, my father, why have thou forsaken me? Because God can't look up on sin. God, we have no fellowship with God when we walk in darkness. We have to walk in the light as he's in the light. Then we'll have fellowship with him. Uh, a thing that shines gives light. And it says, shine your face upon us. A shining object reveals itself. This is the psalmist's point, that something that shines gives revelation, gives sight. In other words, it's revealing. He is asking God to reveal himself, and he requested through the symbolism of light or shining. And that's why I say God has to shine upon us or give us his light. He puts his light within us. And through that revelation of Jesus Christ, who illumines our path and guides us through life, that's the light of the world. That, that light that he gives us brings us out of darkness. And that's why he says it was a small thing for him just to be or do that with Israel, that nation, that one nation or whatever. But he would be a light. Abraham was the father of many nations. So that light, that gospel, that word of God goes out to all men. Light cannot be hidden in darkness. Darkness of light expels the darkness. When you shine light upon a situation, no one wants the light brought upon a wicked situation because it, it exposes all that that's not right. A lot of times if you get dressed in the dark, uh, you don't have such a good mirror or something and the light is not well, and then you go into a well-lit area or whatever, you can start seeing the spots and the blemishes that you missed or whatever. One of the things with the movie stars and everything is, was with high-definition television. And they brought out high-definition television. They had to get better makeup artists and better people to cover their flaws and everything because high-definition Television, you could see some televisions that shows a picture crystal clear. It can show all the 
for things that we couldn't see on those other televisions. I think it's something to do with the computer thing. I, I, I can't explain it right now because I didn't study it for this. I just ran across it. But when it says 1080, however many pixels that is shown, that graphic, the pixels, the more illuminated uh, the clarity of the picture the, as those pixels increase. Uh, when a light shines out, a person... You, Light shines out, a person immediately sees it, and his eyes are attracted to it. You know, the moth effect, you know, when a light shines, they're attracted to that light or whatever. And we should be attracted to the light. When God manifests his light in our face, uh, in our way to reveal himself to us. God, make your face to shine on us, revealing yourself so that I can see you and have directions. Here, light and truth signify the same idea, but it's what it's called a double entendre with the Jewish language. It's two words, it's two expressions, meaning the same thing with a little bit different uh, meaning there in the word light of the truth, the way it's used. But he is the light, he's the truth, and he's the way. But they both synonymous in that sense in the book of Psalms the 119th Psalm and the 105th verse of that Psalm we know the word prevents deception and says that when Satan manifests himself for the Antichrist that he would deceive the whole world and it's not, but it's not possible for him to deceive the very elect in other words, that's why we have to be studied up in God's word, praying and knowing the word. Plus, we have to be walking in the word. Just knowing the word is not good enough. We have to be a doer of that word, living the word. That Psalm 105 Psalm says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Here, God's word is a lamp, a light that illuminates in the darkness. We we have a good word picture there, a lamp or whatever, but then it's like a flashlight also. You you got two. It says a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Whereas a lamp would illuminate a long ways or whatever, but that light is like a flashlight or something that would focus in clearly or give you a more direct pattern of light in a shorter distance the flashlight can shine above but a lamp you see a lot of people holding a lamp or whatever but you may not can get the magnifications you could with a, a spotlight or something but that's what God's word does as we sharpen and focus it and exercise of use of it we can distinguish more and more what's right and what's not right and like I said, it's according to our use of it. You can't just know it. You have to use it and be, be become prolific in it. If a person walks through the woods at night, he is well served to have a flashlight with him to shine on the ground or somewhere in front of him so that his feet do not trip over or snag in the path of his, you know, he don't hit his feet on nothing going through the house. You know, you go through the house at night, you may know your way through there or whatever, but it's good to have a light or something to 
cut on so you won't trip over something or hit your shins or stump your toe on something or whatever. Uh, the same thing with going through the woods. I always criticize television or whatever because with television, you always see the people. It's so light at night on television that they run through the woods and everything. But any of us that live a bit in the woods at nighttime or whatever, we know it's not as light as they indicate. And you can't run at night through the woods and everything. You have to be much more careful or whatever, even when you're on a beaten pathway. That is what light does. It illuminates or reveals. And, and if we should be lights, that means our life should be revealing and illumining others, not only ourselves, but those around us. God's word illumines the path of our lives. It directs us, directs us in the way that we should go. If we keep God's word shining along the way, then we will be far less likely to trip or stumble. It's only when we get away from God's word. He says, one of the Psalms says, I've hidden your word in my heart. And he says, how can a young man cleanse his word? By hiding the word of God in his heart. You, you wrap that word, that instruction that your parents give you and everything, that you be guided by that that's why he tells Abraham and he tells God's people to instruct your children in the way, instruct them in the word of God. Not in, in your beliefs or what you think, but in the word of God. Because the word of God corrects our ways and our beliefs because we were shaping an iniquity and formed in this world. So it's a lot of our beliefs that the word of God starts to illumine upon us in a lot of us don't want to accept that. We would rather the world in, in, in our way of misunderstanding of God's word or misrepresent God's word like the false prophets and things do. And that little leaven leavens the whole lump. It gives misunderstanding and misdirection. And that's what's going on with the, on the Internet with so many different religions and people and news sources and everything. You have to be careful of who you're getting your information from. Is it correct information? Is it a proven information? We will not be easily deceived if we study God's word and practice God's word and depend upon God and trust in his word. Because we are following the light, we will see what the light reveals in the path ahead of us. The word can tell or prophesy, tell of things to come. And we know the results of living a sinful life, a life that's disobedient unto God. And the wrath of God comes upon the children of disobedience. A lot of people say, oh, that, that's why he made his life short. He didn't honor his parents because we know honoring your parents extends your life. But it, the reason it extends a whole lot of our lives as if the parents was godly or not. Because if the parent was not godly or whatever, it can bring condemnation into our lives. It could bring a misdirection or whatever so we can live a long, evil, and wicked life. That's why I say the word of God has to be that standard. That's the light that lighted every man coming into the world. 
It is only when we turn the light off, that is, before we've actually arrived at our destination, that something could spring up in the dark and trip us. Sometimes we feel that we have this. We don't pray about certain things. We think that, you know, I can just do this. A lot of times it's like with Joshua and his people that, it was just a little battle that I, they didn't need to take all of the people to fight the battle. They un, uh, overestimated themselves. Sometimes we get accustomed of doing something by rote and we're not fully dependent upon God and that very little thing triples up. Uh, they say most, a lot of accidents and injuries happens within the last mile or two of reaching your destination. That's because we get comfort or laxed. Uh, the Super Bowl was actually a pretty good game this year, except at some spots, but it went down to the last few plays of the game. And a lot of people now are saying, well, it's really, why did they call that play at the last? Because if they hadn't called a penalty or whatever, they wouldn't have ran out the clock or whatever. So sometime life comes down right at the end of life to what you do. And that's why in Ezekiel he say, if a righteous man does righteousness all his life, but then turn from his righteousness to do wickedness and evilness, none of his righteousness, which he's done, will be remembered. We have to follow God all of the days of our lives. So as we get older, there's no reason to get off the path and stop going to church. You, you should never stop going to church or stop following the Lord. You've been following the Lord for 40 or 50 years. Well, why stop? What's the reason do you stop uh, stop going to church or stop being as zealous as you have been or whatever? Therefore, if we keep the light of God's truth shining brightly ahead of us, then we have a greater chance of avoiding deceptions. We can't get too far ahead of God's word. In other words, if we study it day by day, meditate upon it day and night, that word will actually come to use to you at some time or another because God's God sees you living. He sees that you're not laying back on your loins and think, well, I've read the Bible once or twice. I don't need to read it anymore. Well, no, by exercise of use, that means you drilling it in there and you may see it or understand it a little bit differently each reading. That's why along with my research and studying, I still read in a, a chronological way each morning the Word of God separate from my research and study. So we can't, we have to be given to the study of the Word of God and not tied up in the world. But if your life is out of kilter or out of balance, you're watching much more television or being with friends or playing games or associating or even working more for the word of God. In other words, sometimes you could overwork yourself. A lot of people feeding the needy and feeding the hungry, they're busy as Martha was. But Jesus told her Mary had chosen the good, good, good thing that is to listen at the word of God. That's where the light illumination comes in. You continually hide it in your heart. 
God's word light the way to go so that we do not trip or wander or stay out of the way or get out of the way. The symbolism of light or lamp is used to show direction or instruction received as a result of understanding God's word. That symbolism to now you see uh, the God, God's word had it gives us light, and that uh, in other words we illumine to this. In other words, now we see it. That that's where it comes in when he says, "Do you have ears to hear and eyes to see?" Because if you're not, if you don't have any understanding, it's not illuminated to it. You don't see it. It's not. You don't have light in that area. You're still operating in the dark, even though you heard it, or hear what it's saying, or, or read it, or whatever. You don't understand it. You don't see it. You don't comprehend it. There's no work in knowledge or wisdom that makes it applicable, or you could apply. Job's friends had a lot of knowledge of the Word of God, but they didn't have the understanding of it. In other words, the wisdom to apply the word of God to particular situations. So knowing it, uh, just having a, a sense of knowing what the word of God is, it, it doesn't consist of all. That's why you can have book knowledge or know something, but if you're not, you can't see or understand that. It, it is not revealed to you. And as I tell you the word of God, it's a mystery. It says the, there's a mystery of godliness and a mystery of iniquity. Well, it's a mystery in which you can't figure this out. It has to be shown to you. And only Jesus Christ can reveal that word to you. He's the revelator. We get these revelations from Jesus Christ but we have to be obedient to his word. He says, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciple. Because there's another person of the Godhead that's involved in this. That's his spirit. He gives us the earnest of the inheritance. He gives us the Holy Ghost. That spirit is there to guide us and lead us into all truths. It guides us and leads us into all truth. Uh, in other words, the person can walk and live this life because light and truth are given to him. There's a lot of people that go through life that don't fulfill God's purpose, but have lived in vain and vanity, and at the end of life hasn't accomplished a purpose in which God had sent him or whatever. So there's nothing laid up in the kingdom of heaven. He had he, he were not one of the called or chosen of God, and even though he may have been a ch- in church or whatever, He was never a child of God that was given eternal light. So we have to make sure that that light is shining within us. And that's where we come to living in God's presence. Do you have God's presence within us? First John, the first John, first chapter in the seventh verse says, but if we are living in the light of God's presence, just as Christ does, then we have wonderful fellowship and joy with each other, and the blood of his Son cleanses us from every sin. The blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from every sin. If we have this 
fellowship that if we have his presence within us, he says him and the father would come in and dwell with us. They would sup with us. Yes. Yes. Let me read that in the amplified version. That was the living version. The amplified says, but if we really walk in the light, that is live each and every day in conformity with the precepts of God. You remember my turn gets precept upon precept, line upon line. If we live in conformity to those precepts, that's why I say our life can't be characterized living any kind of way as we see some of the church in this recent time. That's not conformity to the precepts of Jesus Christ. And that's why a lot of people left our former president toward the end of his administration or whatever, because in other words, this light is not shining because men can see that you like this precept because you don't have the love for one another. Look at it. It says we have fellowship and joy with each other. Are we joyful in one another's presence? Are we loving one another? It says they can tell that you are my disciples for your love for one another. Because not only your love of one another, that you would love your enemy. Didn't Jesus Christ came and seem like he magnified that commandment? Because he says, it's been said that you should do do these things, eye for eye, two for two. He said, but I say you must love your enemy. That those that despitefully use you, you must pray for them. So there are different characteristics that Jesus Christ had given us. But let me continue on. He says, but if we really walk in the light, that is, live each and every day in conformity with the precepts of God, not any other thing. That's what I say. The Bible has to be the standard whereby we live. If we live by the precepts of God as he himself is in the light, that's what Jesus was. He was walking in the light. He says, we have true unbroken fellowship, one with another, he with us and we with him. We can't get out of Christ. We must abide in the vine. We must abide in his truth. We must abide in him. But, you know, we can't say, well, look, I'm going to fight you and do you this. And then I just have to pray to repent and pray to do this. No, that's presumptuous sin that you're saying you could commit. That you can go out and do what you want to live the way you want to and extract your vengeance and everything and then come back and God will forgive you and you could continue this. No, you can't pull him off like that. You you hadn't been truly converted if that be the case. He says, unbroken fellowship, one with another, he with us and we with him. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin by erasing the stain of sin, keeping us cleansed from sin is all in its form and manifestations. That's because we are washed by the word of God. His word is what's truth. That's the light. That's what sets us free. When we're not following that word, when we're not following the light, when we're not following him, then we're still in bondage. We're bound just like we're bound on earth. We'd be bound in heaven. But the word looses us. It sets us at liberty. That's what gives us our freedom. 
So the light is truth. The light is truth. You remember the, the word was truth and the word was God. The word was light, the light that lighted the whole world. God's word is truth. Now the 17th chapter of John, it would do you good to read that whole 17th chapter when y'all get home sometime this week. As he's increasing and we're dis- decreasing. In other words, as we living for ourselves, we can't do that. We must sacrifice time. I felt kind of bad last night. I was telling my wife that when I came in yesterday afternoon around 3, I said that from around 3 to last night sometime, for two, for three or four hours in front of that television and doing other things instead of what I was supposed to go in there and do. Well, I felt mighty bad, and I told her, well, what time it is? I, I, you mean to tell me I missed this? I shouldn't have done that. I felt I was feeling bad about that. I'm usually at that computer or somewhere reading. Or if I'm in the front room, I may be reading my daily reading or reading the newspaper or something, but not just watching television or doing something other than that. So I felt I hadn't redeemed the time properly toward the end of the night. God's word is truth, 17 and 17. Uh, the living says, make them pure and holy through teaching them your words of truth. The amplified reads, sanctify them in the truth, that is, set them apart for your purposes, make them holy. Your word is truth. So that's what we have to have in us is his word. And John, uh, that whole 17th chapter, but uh, the 14th verse says, I have given them thy word and the world hateth them because they are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. And that's what I say. That seemed kind of evil of me for to spend more all of that time in a worldly adventure. I suppose to be coming out of the world. So that time, not that we can, we have to spend all day reading and studying the Word of God, but there must be a healthy balance more of Him that He's increasing and the world has done increase. He says, keep them from the evil in the world, that they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thine truth. Thine word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I have also sent them into the world. So just as in Israel, as he was a light unto not only the Jewish people of Israel, but to the Gentiles, to all of the world, that great commission he's sent us into all of the world. It's just not applicable, just to timber to do the work of evangelists. We're to carry the gospel. We're his witnesses. We're Jesus' witnesses. And we're to tell him and go about telling others about him. He says, and, it's, and for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them alone also, which shall believe on me through their word. That is, to the apostles' word and through the gospel, 
that light that we bring. We're, we're supposed to be light bringers. Lucifer was supposed to be a light bringer, but that's how he become the Satan, the adversary, the devil. He brought darkness instead of light. We're supposed to be light bringers. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that they, thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. And it continues on in that. I said I wasn't going to get carried off into that, but I did. So we have to walk in the light as he's in the light. He lives in us and we in him, and we are in union with him. We shouldn't do anything to grieve the spirit or quench the spirit. We should continually add fuel to the fire. We shouldn't do things that Christ doesn't have fellowship with us. He can't go in the darkness, so we're not in his presence when we in darkness or walking in darkness. We don't have fellowship with him in the darkness. That's why I say we can't leave off to do evil. We can't turn to do that which is not right. John is telling us how we become clean. We become clean as we apply God's word. Remember I told you it's not good enough just knowing the word. You have to be a doer of the word. We have to apply it to our life. It gets in us and begins to clarify and purify our thinking. It transforms us. Let that same mind be in us that is in Christ Jesus. But it does not become a real cleansing agent until it begins to be used. That's where the rubble meets the road at, when we begin to deny self, when we begin to apply that word and crucify self, when we die to self and be obedient to the word of God, then it begins to clean up our bad habits and our thinking process. Because like I said, our thoughts was not like his thoughts and our ways not like his ways. But when that light starts to shine in us, we're darkness inside. When that light starts to shine in every nook and cranny, you have to be honest with yourself. Yes, I was a blasphemer. Yes, I was. I, I, I'm a liar. I'm envious. I'm jealous. The word should convict you. And that's why I say God can turn you over to a reprobate mind and you can't see yourself for what it is. You become hypocritical to God's word. You use God's word and you're not a doer. You say one thing, but you do just the opposite. You live the opposite. Hypocrite. The thinking processes change according to our actions and our behavior. Remember I said your actions and behavior are not meeting the inward signs in which you should be. The outward sign is not that action of a child of God. You are what you are. Now, what's coming out is the right thing being purged out of a man because what's in a man is going to come out. And unless that man die, you put those things to death, that's what you are. If we keep doing the same thing all the time, nothing changes. You're not repenting. You're not turning. We are resisting. Walking denotes living. A walk, what is our walk? What is our way of life? How do we live? If we live as he lived, then we become cleansed. 
that is what holiness is. Whoever John first John says, whoever have this hope purified himself. That's what the light does. It shines in the dark recesses of our heart. It shines in the inner man. The word shines that light. It washes us. That, that's the light that illumines us walking by God's way in his word. If we do that, then we will produce fruit. It is impossible not to produce fruit when you following God's word and doing what he say do. That's why a tree is known by the fruit it bears. Revelations 11 and 4. I'm just going to touch here, Sister Jackson. Do y'all mind? Let me just touch here in Revelations a minute about the lampstands, about the lamp. Because I said a light to our feet and a lamp unto our paths. We know a lamp give it out light, as I said. The Revelations 11 and 4, Deacon, it says, These witnesses are the two olive trees and the two lampstands, which stand before the Lord of the whole earth. This verse tells us that these two are the two olive trees and two lampstands. And the two witnesses has been raised up. And you remember he said he was going to raise the light up to be a witness to the Gentiles. And I told you, we are his witnesses. We are planted in the earth and we should bring forth fruit. If we're planted in Christ's word that seed is in us it should be germinating and bringing forth fruit they are that that lampstand in revelations that witness that's in the church there are some that are marred for his life that those are the souls under the altar or whatever but that friction with the earth is us giving our testimony us standing up for jesus christ us repelling the darkness. In other words, we can't go along with the world or the things of the world. We have to be the one that stands in the breach, the one that says, no, this is not right. This is what we should be doing. This is what Jesus said to. See, that's the abrasion. We the goody two-shoes. In other words, just like Joseph stood up against all of his brother, we have to stand against our brother. In the Old Testament, if that was a false prophet, someone going around saying the wrong things, trying to lead you away from God or the truth, your hands were supposed to be the first one on him to stone him to death. It is very detrimental to lead others astray or to allow others to lead you astray. That's why the deception is so great that people were giving ears to the false prophets, and that's what they're doing today. They're giving ears to seducing spirits, spirits themselves having itching ears, wanting to hear what they want to hear, wanting to hear what pleases them, what makes them feel good, not the true light that shines on them. So what do a lamp do? A lamp gives light, Matthew 5, 14 to 16. So what are the two witnesses doing at this time? It says that they are the two lampstands that stand before the whole Lord of the earth. So if we in the presence of God, we have to do as Michael say. You remember Micaiah? The prophets came and say, look, Ahab and uh, uh, Jehoshaphat were sitting on the throne and they said, 
You need to tell him what all of the rest of the prophets had said and to, to compromise and go along with this. And Micah said, that what the Lord give me is that what I'll speak. And he yes. kind of was sarcastic about it. He says, go and be prosperous or whatever. And Ahab says, I should, I assure you, how many times I've told you, speak only the truth to me. And that's when Micah says about the Lord sitting in heaven and he's seen a spirit come before him that was a lying spirit. All of those other prophets and the, the, the majority of all of the other people had told him wrong. He says, I'll be a lying spirit in the mouths of his prophets and he'll lead him into battle to die. He says, but surely as you go out there, you're not coming back here. You're going to die. You're not coming back here. And he threw him in jail. It may cost us a relationship with some of the people closest to us, but we must be the light. We must speak that which becomes sound doctrine. We must speak that which God gives us. It's not popular. All of all of government and things turning on you when you speak against same-sex marriage, when you speak against a lot of things that's going on in the world today, you will be the oddball out, but you have to stand. The Republican Party... I see what Nikki Haley declared to run for president and I was reading in the Atlantic and all that. It's tough for a woman to run for that office or whatever in the Republican Party today because they believe a woman's place is at home and not in leadership, not as a leader or president. I do agree with the Republican Party there. I do agree that we've turned this around. I do agree that a lot of things where they're putting women in that's saying this or whatever, that the men should be leading. The problem is we're not having men lead. Now, I'm not endorsing the Republican men. That's far from the right example. I think it's a bunch of hypocrites that's not standing, but they're just more or less like the false prophets or whatever. They're just saying things to get elected what's popular with the base of certain people or whatever. So they are more hypocritical about these things. I think you also can't be biased or hateful in these things in the way that they're doing it. Yeah. That's what they were saying about uh, Trump, that he's, he's one that always attacked the women or whatever. I don't think that you should be one that go out attacking the women or whatever. I think those are God's gift to men. So the the balance is not there. That's why I say we don't have an end time solution. The world has to come to this end that Jesus Christ had for prophesies that the world would come to this end and that his kingdom would come in. Oh, yes. What are the lampstands doing? They're lighting the whole house as it says in Matthew 5. That's what you do. Put a light on a pole, a lamp on a pole, the light the house. So we should be the lamp and the, the church should be the light in the world now. And which is doing not a real, really good job at this time. Who compromise, who com- comprises the house of God? That is the church. So that's why judgment begins at the house of God. That's where the lamp should be. That's where the light should be. It should be to make light. 
we should be the lights of the world. He had left us to be the lights of the world. And I said about being evangelist and doing the work of evangelist. The term evangelist is a very interesting word. We tend to think of it as somebody who goes out into the world and preaches to the world much as the apostles did. I think, and you, you can't get a definition, of a plain and clear definition. Some people say evangelist is one that goes out as a scout goes out. He Just like John the Baptist, and he was on a preparatory stage. In other words, I think evangelist goes out and preach the gospel where it hadn't been preached before. That's why it says, as an apostle does. In other words, Paul went out not where other apostles had went. We're to do the work of the evangelist, a function as evangelists. In other words, if it's not being preached on our jobs, even though they've heard it, they must hear the true gospel, the real gospel, because there are other gospels they have listened at. There's another Jesus being preached. So doing the work of evangelists, you each and every one should have that commitment because it's what he says to one, he says to all. So we must clarify or be the light where God has us, not the, that he has us a, as a missionary going to Somalia, uh, going to somewhere in Australia, or China or somewhere. And we're supposed to do that work right here in our own homes, in our own churches, on our jobs and things. That's what your ministry is. That's where God has you at. You're supposed to let your light so shine wherever God has you. Not that he called you to be a missionary or whatever. There's only one example in the of the Bible where this evangelist going out, as they said, but Philip did this, and he was an evangelist in sort of a way, but later on they say he was an apostle or brought into the apostleship. But the general conclusion revived <laughs> saying about evangelists, evangelist is like John the Baptist or whatever, just like Priscilla and Aquila in that church age at that time. They were going out taking the gospel. It wasn't whether a woman should preach or teach or whatever. They was witnessing the word of God and they were bringing many people to the word of God. As I remember correctly, they're the ones that brought the Apollos the correct word of God because he hadn't heard whether there be a, a Holy Ghost. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him teaching, they found a saw something was lacking. So that's why a lot of times it's not just sitting there agreeing with Christians about things that we already have in common or agree on. But we have to be as Bereans. That's not right doctrine that you're teaching here now. That's not correct. So we can't go along with the Catholics on this, or the Methodists with this, or the Baptists, or the Pentecostals with these things. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The true light, the, the battle begins right where, where you are. Jesus didn't have to leave home. He's one of the ones that wasn't evangelist because he didn't leave, go within 100 miles away from his home in either direction. 
But where his main job work was, a lot of times, were right there among the Pharisees. The Pharisees, which had a misunderstanding of religion. So he was allowing his light to shine. He was preaching the correct light. That's why I say we're to be lights. We're to be true lights. So he told Timothy, he says, 2 Timothy 2 and 5, but watch thine all things, endure afflictions, do the work of evangelists, make full proof of their ministry. And the living, it says, leave nothing undone that you ought to do. See, sometimes we're afraid to tell somebody, that's not right. That doesn't describe the Godhead. I'm not saying get into a debate or whatever, but don't let someone just because your auntie or your mother's people or your, somebody in your family is a Jehovah Witness that you go along with what they're saying about that religion. Or just because somebody is the Christian faith, you, you, you want to fight together to fight the common enemies, and that's what happened with the abortion issue. The Christians sided with Donald Trump on these things to kill or to help the Supreme Court remove Roe versus Wade. Okay, so uniting, you, you united with someone that you shouldn't have united with. Now the battle is between each one of y'all because now the difference has come in. Abortion is on the back burner now. Right. So now you have to find another common enemy. Whereas you were being dogmatic about something that you gave power to the devil. See, we give power to the devil whenever we compromise a tolerate unsound doctrine. We can't tolerate unsound doctrine. We have to stand as John the Baptist stood, as the apostles stood, and it cost them their lives. It cost Jesus his life. Grace upon grace. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 10 says, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master bill. I've laid the foundation and another billet thereon, but let every man take heed how he builds. Let every man take heed how he builds. So we are working in God's vineyard. And as the years have gone by, there's been more light coming to the gospel and the preaching of God's word than way back as when he told Daniel to seal up the books. But as this light is revealed, we have to walk in this light, even though it calls for us throwing our parents' beliefs aside. There's no such thing as that resurrection, which they teach on Good Friday and then the resurrection on that Sunday morning. It was three days in the grave. It was three days and three nights in the grave. Yes, yes. There's no such thing as this Easter bunny and all of this Easter and his death, the, the, the birth and thing in the manger, all of this that they're going. We're using doctrine that's not sound doctrine. It doesn't stand the biblical test. So it's not light. It brings darkness. It contradicts the word of God. If God places us within an office in the church, whatever that office is, he give you power, equip you to 
give you the authority to stand in that. He doesn't call, but we have to make sure of our calling. If you're a deacon, don't try to be an elder. If you're an elder, uh, if you're uh, uh, your ministry is as a woman raising a family and doing as maybe Priscilla and Aquila was doing. Mm. You have a different ministry. There are different gifts and administrations in the Bible. I don't see where Lydia was a teacher or whatever, mm. but Lydia's gift was a giver. Mm. She was a very wealthy woman, and she contributed good money to the to the ministry. She supported the ministry. We see where Phoebe was a deacon. There are women deaconesses. Those women and Paul told them to get along in the church. All of us aren't equipped to teach. He had made all of us teachers, and the Bible tells us that we should not, not all strive to be teachers. Yes. Yes. So there are some of us given to exhortation or praise. There are different people that are healers in the church. There are different people that are prayer warriors, that, that, that praying, the fervency of praying and praying may be their calling. There are different gifts and different administrations of gifts in the church, but we must do what God had purposed and called us to do because he had fit us for that position from the foundations of the world. He had prepared us, and once we start walking into that, people can see that's our gift. That's our calling. They could see Christ in you. As I was telling my brother and wife's podiatrist the other day, that's a gift God had given him. He's walking in his calling. He's happy to do that work. It's not many other foot doctors I've seen that take pleasure, uh, not just, but it's like he's not working a day in his life because that's what God had equipped him to do. So whatever God calls you to do, it's not going to be pressure. It says, if you can find what God had called you to do, to do, you won't work a day in your life. Now, that definition is not for a lazy person. The lazy person's definition, not work a day in their life, is those that's running around here believing heaven is just laying around all day playing harps or something. They've got a misconstrued idea of what heaven is. Whereas the Bible says an idle mind is a workshop for the devil. So why would he have you lay around sitting, sitting there all day doing nothing? Doesn't it bother you just to sit around and do nothing? Okay, so where we come from from here is to some God gives gifts to be apostles and others to certain things. They are given, though, every time God gives an office, he gives all that is needed for the person to fill that office in overcoming because he wants us to be overcomers. And let me start trying to close this thing down. Matthew 5 and 14 through 16 says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. You remember I said, we're in God's house and he lighted every man that coming into the world. This is on the heels of him telling about you are the salt of the earth. So he doesn't light us and give us his spirit to hide it or put it under a bush to be 
a closet Christian, a, a Christian that doesn't have a light that's not burning bright. Because the more you use that light, the brighter it burns. The more fuel you're putting on it, if you keep trimming that lamp, you're going to be like the five wise. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Notice it says that they may see your good works. So you're not saved by works, but a faith without works is a dead faith. So if you're born again and you have a light, Men should be able to glorify God when they see those works you accomplish. In Christ's metaphor, light illuminates what was once dark. It reveals things that were hidden. Though we may be poor, considered old and over the hill, uneducated and obscure, when we live our lives as he instructs, we are a brilliant beacon to this tired and confused world. Those people that are slow and foolish or this, he said, he chose the weak things to confound the wise. He's chosen those little things, those unimportant things, those insignificant things to be those lights. It's not many wise that are chosen. Our lives can shine a spotlight on the solutions to many common problems experienced by our friends and neighbors. If only they would listen to us. But the problem with man today is he won't listen. Now, we have to shine that light because if we don't do this, we'll guilt, we're guilty of being poor witnesses of the Lord. We've hid our light under a bushel. Just because they would have criticized us or made fun of us or said this, we held back from speaking the peace that God had given us. And until you start doing that, you're going to be much more shy and shy. Don't just do it with your spouse or with your children. That gift needs to expand outside the doors of your house. Just like you talk to your spouse or your children, you need to start saying that to some of your friends or people on the job or in the workplace or other places. That boldness needs to start coming out if it's true boldness. But if it's wickedness, it's evilness, you and your spouse or your children or people that you know go fight all the time and that's the only ones you criticize or talk to about because you are fret because you're living in darkness. That's not a holy boldness. That's not from Christ. That's your wicked darkness that's coming out that manifests itself, that envious jealousy and bitter and resentment that's in you. Jesus points out that we should not hide our light under a basket but live it and open for all to see. We can set a proper example of the abundant way of life. We should give everyone we meet the light of our love concerning the light of our honesty, the light of our joy and peace. But if you don't look like you have any peace or joy, if you're going around sour and all no, no happiness or no joy to you, the light of a godly family relations, the light of good work habits, and all the rays of light contained in God's ways. And we can't discuss all of this at this time, but there's a lot of rays of God's light that should show out in your character and in your life that shows and glorifies God. And he had given it to each and every one of us and lots of us in different ways. 
In doing this, we will initially bring attention to ourselves. And this may at some time be uncomfortable, but righteousness has an uncanny tendency to bring out the worst in carnal human beings. Ultimately, however, we will glorify God the Father and his Son by promoting the cause of the kingdom. So I'm going to close right there. I don't want to bring the rest of this in right now. But we'll talk a little bit more about the light. But we should be lights as he was a light and he is a light. And that our light should show shine, that men should see our light 